You're listening to Design Atlas Season 3. In our final episode of Season 3, we get to meet one of the coolest problem solvers out there in the world. His mission is to help scientists think through their thinking at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. I'm just really interested in, in solving problems and hopefully doing it in a way that has some poetry, something that uh, that moves you. And so that that's what I love is whenever you can you can move somebody, then you feel like you've done something good for the day. That's JPL's the studio director and leader of the extraordinary team of creatives transforming complex concepts into meaningful stories that can be universally understood. The studio's work is seen in public spaces, art museums, and is even in outer space. Dan has also received numerous rewards, including NASA's Exceptional Public Surface Award. Growing up, Dan never imagined working at a place like JPL, though. I was not like your star student in, in high school. <laughs> um, I slept through a couple classes and um, I just, I didn't really have a whole lot of passion, uh, perhaps when I was in high school, but um, I had been interested uh, in fantasy football uh, when I was in high school. And it was a time when you couldn't actually print out uh, pictures. Like it was really like, I, and, and there's this place where I grew up or where I was living that it was the first place I'd ever seen where you could scan a picture in and print it out. And it was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you could do that. And of course it cost like $150 and you know, it was really, you know, a lot of uh, equipment and, and that sort of thing. But I, I volunteered my time there. I was just like, hey, you know, and I knew the people and, and they said, sure, you know, we need someone to, you know, do stuff around here and be an intern. And so I was like, that's cool. And and so I started to make all these newsletters and logos. And I didn't really know what all that meant. You know, I didn't know I didn't know what graphic design was or anything like that. But there's one night um, when um, we'd kind of go outside, the, the owner would go smoke outside and I would I'd kind of stand upwind or down upwind. <laughs> and um, and one day he he said, you know, have you ever thought about going to an art school? And I was like, no, <laughs> you know, like that was the last thing ever in my mind of going to an art school. And um, he had been a comic book artist and he said, you know, you should think about that. Yeah, I can see that you like to put things together. And so I was like, okay, whatever. And, and I, I went home and on my bed was a postcard from a little art school up in Seattle. And literally six months later, I was <laughs> having never taken an art class in my life. I ended up going to this art school. And uh, I ended up realizing what graphic design was and communication. And, and then I, I freelanced for a couple of years up in Seattle and then I got laid off and I was trying to figure out, well, what am I gonna do? Um, I, I was either going to join the Peace Corps, um, start a tea house, or I was going to uh, go to Art Center College of Design because I felt like I needed to be better at being a graphic designer than, than I was. That's where I wanted to go. And, uh, but I couldn't afford it. And so I, but I ended up getting a scholarship and ended up going there. And so there, you know, when I, when I got there, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be in branding and I'm going to work at one of these big branding companies and, or work at an ad agency, something like that. And, um, a couple semesters into Art Center, there was um, a speaker series class and anybody could sit in on, on the speakers and, 
And they had this guy who is an artist that was working with scientists at Caltech. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I kind of wandered in and, and it just blew me away. I just couldn't believe what he was doing. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't so much that he was just like making their stuff look pretty, but he was helping them think in ways that maybe they hadn't thought about before. And, and it made uh, the data and, and uh, things that they were studying much more clear and compelling and, and, um, and help them do better science. And I was like, this is amazing. I want to do this. <laughs> but, you know, I, how was I going to do that? Um, well, uh, eventually there was this opportunity uh, to do an internship at Caltech and um from from uh for art center students and i was like this is amazing so i called them up and and uh it just so happened the right things happened so i got there and uh i had just gotten done doing this crazy project where um for a little tiny grocery store where uh, i was told to go play and um and i ended up making these sculptures out of soda pop bottles because the the whole store its sort of essence was that they everything was in a glass bottle and so I love the way in which you, when you blow on a glass bottle and it makes sound, right? And so um, I ended up figuring out how to stick them on a taco truck stand. So as it would drive along, it'd make music. And I made a pipe organ and I did all this sort of stuff. He looked at that and he said, you're going to do the same thing, except you're going to help us try to figure out how to um, um, show more data in, in our pro projects. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he then he said, um, you're gonna swim like an otter for half an hour a day. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I'm not a swimmer. And that was, you know, I was kind of more from the colder areas and, and um, but we'd go swim every day. And I'm, uh, since I wasn't a swimmer, like everything under the water was really new to me. And uh, you would get all the, the light ray, uh, light rays, the, uh, transparency and iridescence. And uh, he's like, okay, well, you got to figure out how to use transparency and iridescence to help express more information. And um, they were working on something called the mouse atlas. And it was before Google Earth or anything like that. And basically the idea is that they, they have this uh, scanner that they could scan before a mouse is born at like one day after conception, two days, three days, four, five, you know, all the way up, I think it's a couple of weeks uh, when, when they actually are born. And so they would have this atlas of a mouse growing over time, you know, inside the womb, which was crazy. And then, um, and then what they want to do is sort of attach all these papers that have been written about the different areas. And, and so basically, I tried to figure out how to use transparency and iridescence as ways of of um, expressing this, all this, this, um, these papers, and and when I was done with that, I was like, I want to work here, you know, like, great, or I want to work at a research center, but you know, art school isn't like they're they're um, they're they're people to help you find jobs are not really set up for helping you find a research center, and and uh, I had been at all the right places, like I got to go to the TED conference and um, uh, meet all these amazing people. Uh, a long time ago, and, and uh, because this was 20 years ago, and um, and uh, no one would give me a chance. And um, then one one day, I I, I uh, went to the the um, 
was it the uh, the president of Art Center, uh, and I was like, "Hey, I was valedictorian. Can you help me get a job at Caltech?" Because <laughs> he he was good friends with the the president of Caltech, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, you don't want to go there. I'm I'm going to JPL in a couple of days. Um, if you come come with me." And so I ended up getting to meet uh, the director of JPL, and he gave me like two seconds to sell myself, and and I said, "Wouldn't it be amazing to have artists involved in brainstorming future missions?" And um, the funny story is that he kind of said, yes, that's great. And then he walked away uh, because he um, he had another meeting and then that was it. And so I, I ended up sending my resume, but I, I sent my resume not in, in a letter, but in uh, like next day air because people people will open that, right? And I, I couldn't do it that day. And so my wife did it, but they didn't have any um, normal envelope. Uh, they had these gigantic envelopes. And so she sent my resume and a gigantic envelope to the director of JPL. And then, um, yeah, then they, uh, he, he sent it on to some people. And uh, this is probably maybe the most important moment was uh, uh, the guy was like, well, maybe you could do animations for us. And because uh, they, they wanted to, uh, this person worked where they're just beginning to imagine what a future mission might be like. Um, so there's, you know, there's no hardware, you know, they haven't even sold it. They, they're not even funded for it, where they're just trying to pitch the idea. And um, I was like, you know, I don't know how to do that, but uh, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> but this bottle project is like what I'm really passionate about. And that was like a huge risk for me because um, we just had a baby and my wife wasn't going to work and I didn't have any money and I had all these loans and stuff like that. And um, uh, but the most amazing thing ever is that he took a risk and, and uh, he did the best thing ever. At least he, it, was, it was amazing that he had the position where he could say yes, um, I'll give you six months. Um, but then he said, go do whatever it is that you do, because I don't really understand what it is. <laughs> and that, that was just, you know, that was amazing because if he would have told me, you know, I want you to animate something. I want you to do a poster. That's what I would have done, right? And that's what I would have been kind of known for. And that's, you know, I would have stayed within like the box of what people think you should be doing. And uh, that was such a gift that I was given to kind of take six months. And, and the things that I did were not graphic design at all. <laughs> the first thing that they were, uh, that he, he said, go around to these people who are working on future projects and um, see what they're working on and do something. <laughs> and uh, um, people that were like most fascinating to me were people that were finding planets around other stars. And, um, you know, when you see sci-fi movies, it, it's, of course, that happens all the time. But like, this was real, right? Like, we are really, really finding planets around other stars. And at that time, they'd only found a few hundred. Um, uh, and then they said that we are looking for an Earth-like planet. And I was like, nah. <laughs> you know? And then they would give me all these numbers. And they would, they would because uh, they're numbers people, right? And, and they'd say, you know, there's, there's hundreds of billions of stars, and there's hundreds of billions of galaxies. And um, uh, there's something called the Drake equation. And if you type in all these numbers in the Drake equation, um, it's like, well, how many planet, how many stars do you think are out there? How many stars with Earth-like, or how many stars with planets might be out there? How many stars with um, that have Earth-like planets, and then how many might have life? And even with like really small numbers on all those different things, it's still 
should be, there still should be thousands and thousands of civilizations out in the universe. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's insane. And so um, I had this grain of sand and, and I went to the shop and they had this amazing, amazing shop. And I was like, hey, could you drill a hole like a tenth the size of the grain of sand in there? And, and he looked at me and uh, the next guy was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> And so they really, really did have, or do have this uh, carbide drill bit. And it was a 10th of a millimeter and, and they drilled a hole into the grain of sand. And so that hole represented where at that moment we had looked for planets and already found thousands of them. And, and then over time we found like three to 4,000 planets have mostly been found within that little tiny area of our galaxy. And that's, and that's with poor technology, you know, like we can't find you know, what we, what we think is actually there, um, let alone the rest of the galaxy. And then the idea is to have, you need six, well, when I did it, you needed six rooms of sand to show all the other galaxies that we knew about. Well, uh, 10 years later, it, uh, <laughs> they were like, oh, actually it's 60 rooms of sand. So anyways, I started to do something like that. And then I did, I did some other like uh, video projection installation things. And, and, it, and all of a sudden they were like, well, what is this person doing? You know, really different than what we've been doing. So I had this opportunity to kind of like be an artist and the, the uh, you know, I never really thought of myself as, as, an, as an artist with a capital A. You know, I, I wanted to make things that were beautiful, but I never really thought of myself that way. But the director of JPL, he would call me the artist in residence. And uh, I was like, I don't know, I feel a little awkward with that, but that also meant that I could kind of do whatever I wanted, you know, like jump, jump into that character. So, uh, so I kind of had that mindset. And then someone asked, they said, hey, you know, we're working on a, a proposal for a mission to Jupiter. Um, do you, could you, we, we need a cover for our proposal? Would you, you know, I, it sounds like that might be something that you could do. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to do graphic design again. I want to do this other stuff. And, and, um, but then I was like, this guy's really cool. And, and um, turned out, you know, hit it off with all, all the team members and ended up um, doing their, their cover. But then also just like uh, that, what that did was that helped the whole team, like think about the same thing. You know, like they all, because they're um, in, in proposing a mission, you have all these different people. Some of them are only working part-time on this thing on the side and other people, it's their life work. And so you really need the whole team to be thinking about the exact same thing. And, and uh, we ended up, uh, me and uh, my buddy, David Delgado, who also went to the same school I went to, um, we ended up helping them pitch the mission, which is like, a, which is like an all day, eight hour, presentation type of thing and and they ended up winning the mission and uh juno which is uh is at jupiter right now and it's been going around for years and when you see these absolutely insane beautiful images of jupiter it's because of this mission <laughs> and so you know i learned something through that process of of like do the small things do what do do small things and it's okay because you know maybe something something else will come of it and just through that process, that that also allowed people to go. Well, he does those weird art installations, but he also like helped us win a billion dollar mission. You know, <laughs> so, you know, like maybe maybe he has more value. It took him over eight years of hard work before they let him hire someone to accompany him as part of the studio. It's it's interesting because I know that like within that period of time, most people in 
the creative industries have probably had four different jobs. Right? <laughs> but JPL is a special place. It's not too often that you're going to be around people doing one of a kind things and you know far off places. And so I wanted to stick with it. And and uh, I had had interns. I had you know had freelancer worked with freelancers. Uh, but then I finally got to hire someone um, after eight years. And then um, all of a sudden I got to hire more and more people. And, and the way it works here is that, or at least in my particular case, is that I'm, I am a full-time employee, but it's almost like you're a freelancer within this little city. So I have to have an account number for every single project I work on. So someone has to pay for me. They have to want me enough that they're going to use their money on me versus someone else. And uh, that's hard, right? And, and uh, but over time, I think people realize that, oh, they kind of bring a different perspective. They're helping me understand what I'm doing uh, differently. And they also make things that look really awesome, right? And, um, and so um, all of a sudden, I, I was able to uh, build a team and um, uh, things used to be very scattered at JPL. There, there were uh, people doing web design in one area, uh, people doing graphic design stuff in another area, and then other uh, my team kind of doing other stuff in a different area. Now we're all under one umbrella, so now we're called uh, we're under what's called Design Lab, and and uh, which I think makes us a much stronger um, design creative presence at, at JPL. So. Um, under this umbrella is a web development team. Uh, uh, another team is a uh, print production uh, graphic design team. And then there's our, uh, my team, the studio. People at JPL come to the studio when they want to do something that they haven't done before. We kind of have these two different areas that we talk about. One is we, we talk about sneaking up on learning. And so the idea of creating something beautiful and mysterious and maybe it grabs your attention that you didn't expect. And then once you are grabbed, you know, once, once you kind of go in, you, you want to ask questions and you're sort of primed for learning. And that, that includes like, doing art installations. It includes, um, we do a lot of renovations around uh, the lab. There's lots of old buildings and they're kind of renovating it and, and sort of trying to help the the, um, the general um, uh, culture of the lab sort of um, have cool things around to inspire you. Um, and then it, uh, the other thing that we, we do is we call it helping people think through their thinking. And that's where designers, are really good at asking questions and um, sort of poking and prodding and going, you know, is that really what you want to do? Or is that really what you're trying to say? Or is that, is you, you two are both nodding your head, but are you both thinking the same thing? Maybe not, you know? And, and um, there's not always someone in the room to ask those kinds of questions. And so we facilitate a lot of brainstorms and workshops and, uh, uh, visioning sessions where you know some people will be like well we got funding we're gonna do this thing but we don't really know who we are you know and so in a way it's it's you know helping them brand themselves and um but hopefully at the end of the day you know they they see who they are in a different way and um they come together as a team in in a stronger unified fashion so i think uh what, what my favorite thing is when back when people used to come into the studio <laughs> you know we're all kind of working from home for the most part but um, pe some people literally come in well some people come in and say I want 
this, you know, they want that. But then there's a fair number of other people come in they're like, you know, I don't know why I'm here, but I feel like I should be. And that's that's my favorite moment, you know, because then, then it's open. And I think that's really what it is, is when, when people don't really know what they want and they're trying to figure it out, they might want to do something different you know, and um, uh, then they they come and knock on our door and, and you know, maybe uh, we, we collaborate with other groups within Design Lab to help solve their problems. Today, the studio is eight people strong and multifaceted in a variety of skills and expertise within the realm of creativity. Some people come from advertising backgrounds, some come uh, from illustration, design, um, uh, one person is a producer. Some people have had uh, backgrounds in, in music. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, it, they come from the creative worlds, you know, or the, the creative content worlds, I suppose. Um, I, I, I has, sorry, I don't like to say the creative worlds because I truly believe that um, creativity is, is a human trait and that we are all creative and you can be a creative you know, whatever. Um, uh, so I, I don't want to, I, I, I always feel bad about that. I, the thing that I hate is when, when people say, well, I'm not creative. And, um, and what, what I think they really mean is that they're not artistic and that's, that's a different type of thing. So, uh, but yeah, so they, they come from, you know, design or advertising or uh, various types of things, but they, they are all very different. They all have very different skill sets and uh, which is great. So uh, we can sort of handle a lot of different things, whether it's uh, a team that's trying to talk about going to Jupiter or it's the facilities people trying to figure out a new uh, traffic flow or something like that. The studio certainly stays busy. Among the current eight-member team, they have at least 40 different projects going on during any given time. Uh, they'll range from little projects that take a, a week or two and just like one person kind of does it on the side every once in a while to projects, a couple projects that go on for a couple of years and, and uh, uh, take up a lot more resources. Um, but each, uh, the way the team works is that each person on the team is sort of the creative director of whatever project they're working on. And so their role is to make sure it all gets done and the quality is high and, and um, work with freelancers if, if need be and, and bring in you know, the right sort of talent. And, and I'm there to sort of help them along, make sure that uh, they ask the right questions and uh, if they need connections with people. And, and just you know, sometimes I might have insight into what the lab may be um, uh, wanting to project in, in the future and stuff like that. Juno is NASA's space probe orbiting the planet Jupiter. It was built by Lockheed Martin and is operated by NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. The spacecraft launched from Cape Canaveral's Air Force Station back in 2011 and entered polar orbit on July 5, 2016, to begin scientific investigation of Jupiter. The rocket that we had to launch on was not big enough to go straight to Jupiter. It had to go out towards Mars and then come back and then um, get really close to the Earth and then use the, the gravity of the Earth to slingshot us out to Jupiter, which is really cool because you know it's not too often that you send something off and then it comes back <laughs> and then it goes you know even further, which is really cool. And so we had been trying to figure out, is there a way in which we could do something um, that uh, 
do something when it comes by, right? Like, and, and is there a way to use the spacecraft, you know, in some interesting way? And, and one of the guys um, that uh, had one of the instruments on the spacecraft uh, had been a ham radio operator. And he was like, well, you know, this instrument can pick up a lot of information, but it also picks up the band at which ham radio operators work in. And if we had enough people signaling at the same exact time, then we could hear it. And we're like, wow, that's fascinating. I mean, I don't know, ham radio, like, does anyone do that anymore? And, and uh, um, so it's old school, right? Um, but, but it turns out like there's this big, huge community of, of these people out there and, and they're very rabid, you know, they're, they're very into what they're doing, right? And, <laughs> and uh, so we came up with this idea of, well, um, we can't have everyone like, you know, like ham radio is really fast, right? Beep, 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 you know, but we, we'd never be able to get lots of people to do that at the same time. And so we thought, well, what if, what if each dit was like 30 seconds? So it's like, and then you lift off and then, then you could just speed that up and then you could hear it. Right. And, um, uh, so then we're like, well, what would we say, <laughs> you know? And um, and then also, if you look at the the, the, um, the ham radio uh, letters and stuff like that, you know, you got lots of dits and dots and stuff like that. And and to say anything actually would take a long time. <laughs> and so, but we came up with high. You know, it was like Juno is just going to say hi as it flies by, or we're going to say hi as it flies by. And so we ended up, um, there ended up being thousands of people around the world all doing this at the same exact time. What I loved about that was that we were using a spacecraft in a way that, you know, it was not meant to be used and we were working with people that maybe never really get all that much attention, right? And, and, um, and, they, and those people absolutely loved it. You know, they, they, they felt so special that they were doing something together as a big group, sending a message. And at that particular moment was, uh, there was a shutdown in the government. <laughs> and so like, it was just really cool that something, uh, you know, beautiful and special happened. And then when you actually hear the, the beep, 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 You know, it's wild to think that that's thousands of people all signaling at the same time. So, so that that was like my favorite because we got to use things in a different way. And to Dan, one thing is clear: that there are all sorts of people you need to be involved with because you can't explore space by yourself. And so you need all sorts of different perspectives, and um, and it just so happens that you know our perspective is needed as well, <laughs> and um, and so. Um, you know, the, there, there are the, there are two sides to this. One, one is that helping people think through their thinking where, um, just, you know, like when, when, um, when there are two or three people in a room and they're all called scientists or all called engineer, you think like, you know, you hear this term all the time. Scientists say, well, I always laugh when I hear that because Every scientist I talk to says something slightly different, you know, and they're all arguing about something or other. And uh, <laughs> but um, but they're all unique. They're all individual. They all studied something very, you know, like they got deep into one little area, right? And so um, um, a space scientist and a 
geologist and a you know a, a volcanologist you know they all they don't speak the same language right and they um and so so what's fascinating is that when you need someone to be able to see the different languages that people are speaking and go oh i see they're speaking different languages maybe let's make sure they're talking about the same thing and so that's that's one area that is um, super super important and sometimes that's done through a picture right and so you you have people in the room and and someone says something and they're all like nodding their head and then you draw it up on the wall and then you know two of them are uh, nodding the no and one's nodding yes and, and then they're like oh that's what you were thinking okay that's not what i was thinking right Dan recognizes that there are differences within the disciplines of both art and science, but there are also similarities. To him, both disciplines investigate questions, try to uncover answers within the process, and pose potentially new questions to push boundaries further in a specific topic. Um, there's, a, there's a sense of uh, rigor and maybe a community critique, I suppose, that is is involved in both of them but like in science like you have to has to be repeatable and people have to um, be able to do the same experiment and show that it you know got the same answer that's not you know like i think in in our worlds we, we don't want it to be repeatable right we, we want to do something that's one of a kind nobody's done it before and and um uh but there still is there 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 needs to be a sense of rigor some 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 of the rigor is in just the um how do you how do you manifest it in the production of something there's a rigor of like making sure that everything is done right and the color grading as well and you know the surface materials whatever you're using is, is the right material whereas like the scientist is is trying to make sure that their instruments are precise and and that there's no noise like well, i think an artist likes noise you know like they're like uh, i made it too perfect and and we messed something up and that actually made it better and, <laughs> and the scientists may be trying to get rid of some of that noise but you know the good scientists are the ones that go huh i wonder what that noise is maybe that noise is actually meaningful you know and maybe i should investigate that and so i think there's there's a lot of similarities and and um, i will you know i'll meet scientists and creative directors that are both like big picture like you know crazy wild you know some of the scientists i've met here can blow any creative director out of the water just with their 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 ability to go go places in their mind that most people don't and and are willing to you know, go beyond um, the safe spaces. It, it's been neat to see design go from something that was just sort of like a frivolous sort of thing uh, to to now, like we need designers in everything that we do and, and at the beginnings of before we get too far along and you know it's it's uh, i've been here 18 years <laughs> so a long time there's like six thousand people at jpl there there's some of them there that that have uh, heard the gospel and and uh 
uh, try to live by it. And so uh, that's been neat to see. And so um, it has been neat that over, over the last few years, we've been able to meet with other people at other NASA centers. And, and there are uh, creative people in all these different places. And so we wrap up our third season with the hope that you have been inspired to persevere in whatever you do in your life. Whether it's designing for the space industry or any other industry, be reminded that great things come from people working with others because we can't do everything on our own. By collaborating, connecting, and being excited each day to learn new things, we will continue to grow on this little blue dot in the vastness of space, supporting each of our unique and exciting lives. If you'd like to support the show or to learn more about Design Atlas, please visit our website, designatlaspod.com. To get in touch with us, DM us on Instagram or tweet us at designatlaspod or send us an email at hello at designatlaspod.com. You can also join the Design Atlas Slack community to connect with our show guests and get behind the scenes content and the latest design resources. Link is in the show notes. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on the next episodes. We would really appreciate if you could give us an honest review about the show. Thanks again for listening to Design Atlas.